Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the San Francisco Giants podcast on SB Nation for McCoveyChronicles.com. I'm Brian Murphy. Uh, I'm Doug Brizzoni. And this is the last McCovey Croncast of all time, forever, forever and ever. This is it. That's right. That's right. This is it uh, until they reboot it in 2028 and it lasts three months and then they fire the new people who do it. They'll, they'll bring back Mulder and Scully and contrive for them to somehow be working in the FBI still in the X-Files uh, covering the Giants. Um, and, the, <laughs> and, and, the, and the best episode of the podcast will be where they go to a Japanese restaurant and they barely talk. <laughs> so this is uh, in response. This episode, yes, is the final McCovey Croncast. Vox has consolidated their media holdings a little bit more, uh, fewer podcasts on their network. I think they're down to about a dozen and uh mccovey chronicles podcast that would be our show was one of the cuts so this is it we're doing a wrap-up we're doing a mailbag wrap-up and we're recording it on the night of the first day of spring training 2023 pitchers and catchers have reported doug and um the news that came out today uh, bummed me out right away <laughs> I, and uh so before we started recording you said you saw that there was news but you chose not to engage with it which i think is, is fine but I, I just want to run down uh, a quick list of items that came up marco luciano has a stress fracture in his back that hasn't totally healed and will uh delay his spring start um he's on the 40-man roster so he's going to be at spring training but now they're going to slow play him and they'll basically be in the cages for a an extended period of time. Michael Conforto, who had surgery, I think over a year ago, shoulder surgery, is still not ready to play the field and will begin as the DH until he can build up arm strength. This will cause Jock Peterson to get some time at first base. Believe it or not. Yes. <laughs> the Giants have a four catcher battle brewing between Joey Bart and then uh, uh, Blake Sable. I keep wanting to say it's Brett Sable. Or is it Brett? No, it's Blake Sable, who is a Rule 5 acquisition, who's technically an outfielder and a catcher, but he's still somehow in the mix. And then two non-roster guys, two players not on the 40-man roster. One of them, Austin Wins, was uh, on the team last year. And then Roberto Perez, who is also recovering from shoulder surgery. Um, David VR will be the starting third baseman. That's what they, they want him to take it and run with it, but he'll get some time at second base. Um, Kyle Harrison, the Giants, essentially the Giants' top prospect, let alone pitching prospect. He will start the year in AAA along with Casey Schmidt, um, who could become third baseman at some point in time, which would be great because David VR will also get some time at second base for those days that Tyro Estrada slides over to spell Brandon Crawford at short. So that all came out today. That was a lot of news. But the ones that stood out for me, obviously, are Star of the Future. That future is uh, very, very cloudy. We don't know when that's happening. And then Michael Conforto, their big offensive signing in the offseason, uh, was able to somehow pass his physical, even though he won't be totally healthy now that spring training started. Uh, that's. I mean, that's. it's not that surprising. I mean, it's not like a lot of players have trouble with physicals the Giants give them. I, I can't <laughs> That's think true. of one offhand. Um, and also, just anticipating a comment some of you might be be making, it is the official policy of the McCovey Croncast 
to not pronounce Marco Luciano's last name correctly. Uh, and we will not be changing that now. It is probably why we were canceled, but we're sticking to our guns on that one. I can't do it. I, I can't. I went to high school with too many Italians for too long. <laughs> and it just won't let my mouth just won't let me say Luciano. Oh, I did it. There he goes. <laughs> um, no, no. Stay true to your principles, Brian. <laughs> I'll delete that. I'll delete that. Uh, there and I, oh, one more uh, item. Yeah. Uh, one more item I didn't mention. Big feature article from Evan Webeck on, on the first day. Anthony DiScofani is committed to, to making a comeback and proving himself. You got to get that article in on the first day before he proves that he still, he can't do it anymore. Like if you get to mid spring and he's had like three terrible outings and I was like, Oh, headed for shoulder surgery. I mean, the article's not going to go very well. Got to do that right off the bat there. They're going to have, we're going to find out that they found gray matter inside of his ankle when they opened it up. <laughs> A, a Melansonian uh, muscle situation down <laughs> we, in the ankle. We opened up his ankle and we found Carlos Correa's ankle. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say we opened up his ankle. And we found Mark Melanson's forearm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you want. Or or Mark DeRosa's forearm. We can take That's this right. back for a while. That's right. Um, but Anthony DiScofani, he doesn't have to pitch another inning. He's going to get paid $26 million whether he pitches or not. So, it, you know, it's kind of... I mean, he doesn't, he can, it's free for him to say that. And for that exactly right. For the first day of spring training for that article to come out. And obviously if he's good, this is, let's transition it. Well, if you want to comment on a news item, feel free, but obviously if he comes back and pitches as he did in 2021, and let's say like it's 90% of how he pitched in 2021. That's great. I hope that, I hope that happens. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone would take that. That's, what the Giants were hoping for when they signed him to that three-year deal, but uh, it didn't go great the first year. So, yeah. And in terms of Conforto and and Jock Peterson, you know, Jock Peterson playing first base, and I mean, I think that's not a terrible idea, especially if you're talking about the first day of spring training and you're going to try it for a few weeks or whatever. You know, Jock Peterson is terrible in the outfield. So if you can still find a way to use him in the field, that's great because then – you can rotate guys through that DH position a little bit more, creates that flexibility the Giants want. Um, I think it'd be great. <laughs> be fantastic. I don't want to see his outs above average in the outfield anymore. So maybe if at first base it could work. I mean, they had Darren Ruff there last year. You know, it's like so it's not like they've they've had like a lot of guys come through and play first base and be great. So could Jock Peterson be just as good as what they've had? I think it's possible. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, what they had last year was really bad at first base. They were one of the worst defensive teams at first base in the majors. And to be fair, Jock Peterson has played a full 150 innings in his major league career, in his nine-year major league career at first base. So it's not like he's never done it. But uh, I don't know there's a lot of evidence he's going to be good there. The Giants didn't really have anyone who played particularly well at first base last year. We saw how that went. So it's it's a little bit like, oh, that's we're, we're first day of spring training. We're already throwing shit at the wall. See what sticks. Great. Let's do yeah, it. That's, yeah, that's kind of the feeling that I had, which is why I was a bit of an Eeyore as a Dodger fan online called me. <laughs> What's that? You know, oh, their, their top prospect, Marco Luciano, 
<laughs> you know, is out indefinitely, essentially. And um, and they already don't. They, you know, Kyle Harrison could throw consecutive no hitters in spring training, which would not really matter all that much, but would be fun anyway. And they're still committed to keeping him. You know, they have a plan for him and they're sticking to that plan. And then there are other plans that they had in the offseason. We're seeing the full force of them. And that's like, oh, there's quite a lot of warts attached to the season plan that they had that signing Aaron judge or Carlos Correa probably would have made people go, Oh, well, who cares? But now these are the most important thing details to focus on because you don't have a giant star blotting it all out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what a, a career, a judge would have sort of obscured, which is sure they have weaknesses over there, but look at this guy, this guy's going to do it. Aaron judge is going to hit 55 homers. I'm I'm adjusting for park effects. Uh-huh. So uh huh. No, that's, that's wise. Yeah, um, I think that's wise. You know, Carlos Correa <laughs> is going to hit 320 and with a on base percentage of 450 and slug 500. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be so good that yeah, if there's some st- bad stuff going on in the back of the lineup, sure. But who cares? We got this guy. And now the Giants don't have that guy. Um, so that's a problem for them. They have to they have to mitigate. Yeah, what what I'm impressed by though is that the Giants are willing, are more than willing, uh, when they get in front of the media to lower expectations. I actually respect it quite a bit. <laughs> so today definitely felt like, hey, it's the first uh, day of spring training. Everyone's going to be excited, and they and they basically went, everybody hold their horses. <laughs> Let's face facts here. We've you know we didn't we can't say we didn't we didn't get our number one priority in the off season. So all these other priorities that we did get, we, we can't look at the flaws, but just so you are aware, we know that there are flaws and it's going to impact the team going forward. Um, basically made it so that when they do win 88 games as zips has projected, <laughs> it will seem like a huge surprise because look what they are. They're having to overcome. So let's also talk about that. The uh, projection systems, we had a Zips projection of 88 wins and a Pakoda projection of 82 wins. Where do you land on uh, projection systems or these particular projections, Doug? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to say. Like, I, I feel like I'm closer to Pakoda than to Zips. I think 82 is more likely than 88. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things that I know drives friend of the show Dan Zimborski crazy is that like saying something as a 50.1% chance of happening does not mean it is going to happen um so like are they more likely to win 88 than 82 yeah I think so does that mean they're going to be not that good not necessarily first off Giants could be right I could be wrong I don't know but also like they could hit that top 20% projection and go you know fly all the way to 89 wins and just blow the world away uh, and then lose in the first round of playoffs. So, yes. Well, you know what, <laughs> you know, folks, no matter what happens with the giants, they're the A's. So they're going to lose in the first round of playoffs. <laughs> like it went 107 games, 97 doesn't matter. I, I'm with you in the sense of, um, yes, I, I think they could potentially be on the higher end, but what the projections tell me is that on paper, they've assembled a team that's going to win 80 something games. Yeah. <laughs> And and I think that's fair. I think that's totally like it is that old Brian Sabian had of like aim for 85 and hope you get lucky. And and that's to be that's the midpoint between 82 and 88, 85. So 
you've got Pakoda saying like, and they won't get, they won't be quite as lucky. And then you've got Zip saying like, they might, I, you know, projection wise, they project to maybe be a little more lucky. And you know what I think the difference is, is, is maybe just the way one system is viewing their defensive alignment this year. And, um, and the other, you know, one's thinking of it more favorably than the other. I mean, maybe they're not, but that seems to me how you go 82 or 88, because last year the defense was the difference between 81 and better than 81. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we don't really know everything that goes into those projections. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Zips is a lot of historical comps and then, uh, then you know, regression and age curves and all that. I'm I'm not qualified to say if the, that's right or not, but on the other hand, I think it's right because they uh, have Giants <laughs> win, winning more games. So well, it is interesting how the I don't like saying that rhetorical phrase, and I apologize, listeners. <laughs> I am fascinated by doing looking at the zips year in year out because as uh, you know, since far anxiety's t- taken over, it is interesting to me. Now I have to say it that way that the Giants seem to be getting a little bit more positive buzz from the fan graphs of the world, the BPs of the world, as they essentially on paper and publicly conform more to the analytics communities, thinking of how baseball teams should be put together. And so to me, there's, there's a, like with fan graphs of like, of course the giants are, are much more fan graphsy than they've ever been. So of course the fan graph systems would would like their chances a lot more. Um, at least that's to me the the dum dum, and I really am a math dum dum um, who's kind of looking at all at all this with some degree of skepticism, but also just looking at it from the perspective of this is not much more different than what Brian Sabian was doing, which is what I literally just said. Let's put together a team that can win eighty five games and hope we get lucky. <laughs> and and it's yeah, just I mean, how it's... they go. To, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so when, when Sabian was there, it was sort of like he thought that's how you build a team, right? Like he was like, well, you know, you, you do your best and whatever happens, happens. With Farhan, it feels like, well, you know, I looked at this um, model of mathematical efficiency. It says every dollar you spend up to 85 wins is worth it. And every dollar you spend after 85 wins isn't. So we're aiming for 85 wins because that's the best use of the owner's money. Uh, but all that said that's kind of the cynicism and and i don't know me being an old man and all that and seeing the different changes of the industry and also again like i've said in a previous podcast it's hard for me to detach to separate the idea that zaidi's cohort looks down at the you know the sabian style cohort and there's something there because they're human beings and there is some sort of competitiveness or intergenerational squabbling and personally i don't think one is better than the other and actually you know i'm much more comfortable embracing the modern analytic perspective but it is sort of in its own way just a belief system in a lot of you know what i mean and it's like what 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 zaidi might think is a risk is not what sabian thinks is a risk which might be different from what fans perceive as a risk and then that's where it comes down to opinion and and getting upset about stuff and all that uh one thing though to go back to the analytics thing in terms of risk uh let's talk about some positives i'm going to talk about some positives that jump out of, at me doug about the giants going into the season jd davis very excited about what he can do. I wrote about this and I know it sounds absolutely nuts to say this, but his batted ball data had a lot of similarities to Aaron judge. 
<laughs> and okay. and so essentially, you know, the Giants getting someone who can hit the ball kind of hard at like Aaron Judge can um, for a fraction of the cost. Good for them. He's obviously not Aaron Judge, but if you think of him as like a, a prepackaged warts version of him, uh, essentially the poor man's version of him, and he's going to get more playing time. You know, he's not a good fielder, so he'll probably DH or play first base. Um, he's a guy that they could potentially rely on in fourth and fifth spot in the lineup. Pair him with David VR, and I think that's an interesting combination that that on paper and coming from last season into this season is a storyline that I am keeping tabs on because I'm excited to see if VR can keep improving, and I'm excited to see if J.D. Davis' stat cast data can transfer into a full season and him being much more of a focal point for the lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think JD Davis showed a lot. He showed a lot more after the trade last year than I think anyone expected him to. Um, and you know, some of that's, well, some of that's because when you get traded for Darren Ruff, you, when you're traded along with prospects for Darren Ruff, it would be reasonable to expect you to be worse than Darren Ruff. And that, <laughs> that was not the case. Um, Sorry, Darren, we, we, we're still rooting for you. I don't know if it was like something that the Giants identified mechanically in his swing or some like stat thing. They, you know, they went to the dri- their driveline. People were like, here's what J.D. Davis needs to do. Here's the this one simple trick. We'll turn J.D. Davis into an all-star. And they're like, well, I'm <laughs> clicking on that. <laughs> and, you know, and their computer got a bunch of malware, but it did work. So, hey, I'll take that trade. Um, well, yeah. For for Davis, at least, his OPS plus for his career is 116. And obviously, with the Mets, we're not entirely... I, I got to be honest, I don't quite... It's like half playing time because he's defensively not great. And maybe some injuries in there. You know, his one full season was 2019. He played 140 games. But in that one full season... Um, and that's coming off of playing a combined 66 games in 2017 and 2018. So in 26, 2019... At age 26, in 140 games, 453 plate appearances, he had an OPS of 895, um, and he hit 307. He had 22 home runs. Um, you know that's great. And then since then, he's been a 110 plus, 110 or higher OPS plus guy, which is above. That's a quality hitter right there. That 110 and above. OPS plus is kind of what you're looking at as like that, that guy's not just better than league average. He's like kind of, you know, in the next group above at the bottom of the next group, but even, even still above that. And I wrote about this in, uh, in December. <laughs> um, he doesn't need to be platooned is, is another thing to keep in mind. Um, in, in, uh, 2017, sorry, in 2022, he was 16th in baseball, seventh in the NL in barrels per plate appearance percentage, which was tied with Bryce Harper, um, and in pure hard hit hit rate, just the, the amount, the percentage of his hits that were hard hit, which, uh, what's 95 plus, I think is how Statcast reads it in 2022, which was only 207 plate appearances, but that was with the Mets this before the trade, uh, he was number one in the National League in hard hit rate. So he hits the ball hard, which I think you agree. The Giants have had trouble finding guys who can hit the ball hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I like a good, big, strong dinger boy. Yeah. That's that's a fun thing to have. I mean, it's also interesting. You look at his baseball reference uh, page. Just took me a second. There came the word page. Uh, 
2022, his war was uh, 0.7 for his career, 2.2. So a third of his a third of his war came last year. And let's be honest, it came with the Giants last year with the Giants. uh, With the Giants last year, it was 0.9 with the Mets. It was negative 0.2. Yeah, not good Um, with the Mets. (laughs) Not good with the Mets. He's uh, he's been awful defensively in his career. Um, and that's really what's what held him back. You know, that 2019 year where he, where he was a great hitter, negative uh, 2.1 defensive war. So total war 1.2 um, in 450 plate appearances where he hit like that. Yeah. So if you're putting Jock Peterson at first base or DHing, and you're putting JD Davis at first base or DHing, you essentially have two players who can hit the snot out of the ball and might be able to give you two wins each just from their bats. And if you can minimize their defensive exposure, maybe they're not even hurting you to the point that's eating to their win, you know, the wins above replacement they can provide. I, I don't know. It just a guy who can't be, uh, who has no platoon uh, disadvantage hits the ball harder than anyone else in the national league or has the potential to um, I, not just a, a right-handed compliment to Jock Peterson, then not just like, you know what I mean? Like not just a platoon guy, yeah, a pot- potential useful everyday guy that the giants traded Darren Ruff for that. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's, me. I mean, that, that is interesting. I think it would be great if the giants can find a way to, to play JD Davis every day and get that bat in there without the defense hurting them too much whether it's a DH or, you know, turning him to a good defender or an acceptable defender or even a mediocre defender somewhere. Um, Because the Giants need guys who are in there every day. That's one of the things they wanted to sign Judge and Crea for. It's because, like, that's it, middle of the lineup right there. That guy's going to be there every day. It's going to be a presence, and you're going to just have that part of the lineup set. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry or scheme around some weakness. So if you could have that with J.D. Davis, I mean, that'd be fantastic. And again, going adding VR into that mix, the two of them. And and I think the reason why I'm so excited and even, even bullish about J.D. Davis is because there is still that 15, 25% possibility that David VR still has some struggles or has, you know what I mean, a prolonged stretch where he's struggling because he's still basically a rookie, still a young player. But I'm very excited about his potential too, just because the guy seems to be able to roll with the punches and figure out a way to get better. It's, it's exciting. David VR is the first hitter to actually come through the giants farm system and hit well the whole way since I, I can't remember it. Joe Cannon. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. like say what you will about Matt Duffy, but he wasn't that good. He was fine in double a never played in triple a. So, I mean, I think Joe Panic's the last one who was actually good at every level of the minors. And, and he and will he's be retired the, now. Yes. And he will be the guy who could potentially make you not think derogatory thoughts about the Giants player development pipeline. <laughs> I really do think it only takes one guy to make That's high praise. Play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so... What about you? Is there anyone who you're really excited about or you're, you're going to have your eye on going into 23? Brian, let me tell you about a young man named Isan Diaz. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Isan Diaz is, uh, I, I have talked about him on the podcast before. Uh, he had, he was a, a former top hundred prospect in baseball 
He got some call-ups with the Marlins, didn't do particularly well. The prospect, Sheen faded. He found his way to the Giants. And then last year at AAA, he was, he was outstanding. Um, he plays he, – he's mostly a second baseman, um, but he, he was just crushing the ball. And it's the sort of thing that you see that and you're getting the same kind of like, oh, is this is this the next one? Is this the next uh, Dickerson, Yastrzemski, Luis Gonzalez, except guy who's going to get to the majors and sort of establish himself? Um, and he would have had that chance last year, except he got injured. And so you look at what he could do this year with a second base situation that, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's it's wide open. Tyro Estrada kind of has it locked down for now, but there is certainly a good chance he'll have a an opportunity there to to hit the to you know make a contribution to to show up and start for a while. Whether it's because Tyro is covering for someone else who's injured, or because Tyro's himself is injured, or Tyro doesn't do that well, or for some reason they put him put Tyro in center field. I don't know why they would do that, but they're talking about it. It's weird. I had a dream but about it last night. I don't know shot. why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I had a dream that Tyro Estrada broke camp as the starting center fielder. <laughs> Folks meet Brian Murphy, assistant GM of San Francisco Giants. Um, but it, it seems like second base is one of the positions where the Giants could could find a way to get him playing time if they really want to. There are a number of ways to do that. And so all Isan Diaz has to do is keep hitting. Um, that's what he did last year. He's already on the 40-man roster. And I think he's he's worth a look. And of course, now that I've said this, he's going to hit like 200 over the first month of AAA and get injured and we'll never hear about him again. But that's okay too. <laughs> I, I like that. That's, that's a really good... Um guy to keep an eye on. Like you said, it seems like he got infected by the same back injury that infected Marco Luciano, Luciano, Luciano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so again, the backs, I don't know what, uh, what biometrics or yoga the giants are having players do, but uh, you know, back injuries seem like a, a, a quick way to disregard a player because they tend to not go away, but you know, God forbid any of them have any back surgery as Steve Kerr could tell them. <laughs> don't do it i really like that isan diaz it's he was going to be i think i remember reading he was going to be called up in september he was hitting the ball so well but uh he got hurt uh i do want to mention where what are we thinking how are you feeling about kyle harrison we already know the giants have already uh dumped cold water on the idea that he'd start in the rotation to start the season i guess what are your expectations for him um heading into next year or into this year, I should say. So I remember um, this is not a comp for him. It's just a general situation. I remember when Matt Cain was, was first called up in 2005. Um, There were, it took a little longer than, than maybe it could have. Um, Not to say he was phenomenal in Fresno, but he was good in Fresno and, the team could have used another pitcher and, you know, there were ways to get him on the roster. And I remember someone from the Giants said, here's the thing. When we call him up, we don't ever want to send him back down. Um, and I feel like that's, you know, a lot has changed in player development over the last, <laughs> oh, I just looked at what year it is. 
oh that's not fun uh <laughs> but um 2005 man wow <laughs> wasn't that long ago that's like yeah. six years ago right someone can sign Ooh. up for the military now <laughs> yeah wow. oh boy oh boy um you know a lot's changed since then but i think it is sort of a good philosophy that we're going to do as much as we can for you in the minors and then we're going to trust you to figure out the last piece of it in the majors um and, you know, there were some bumps with Kane. He got, in 2006, fairly early on, he got removed from the rotation for a start or two. Um, and he was pitching out of the bullpen because he had more to learn. Um, but not everyone is going to have that linear progression, you know, beat up single A, beat up double A, beat up triple A, all-star in the majors. Um, and so I think it's it's reasonable for the Giants to look at Harrison and be like, look, yeah, he has phenomenal strikeout stuff, but the control needs some work. So we want to see what he does there. He's done an amazing job, everything we've thrown at him, but we haven't been able to throw a Coors Field-like environment at him before to see what he can do there, what he can learn from Albuquerque or Salt Lake, um, like they will be able to in when he's in Sacramento. Um, so I think it's fair. I think I also would hope he'd be in the rotation I don't know, beginning of July, um, you know, if, assuming things go well, I think that's things go reasonably well. I think that's that's a pretty good time frame. If things go, you know, incredibly well, if he's if he's Tim Lincecum in AAA, then yeah, sure, he'll, he'll be there for a month and then they'll call him up. Um, but I think it it's not, you know, he's not done yet. He's and, you know, he will get done when he's in the majors, but he's he still has a couple of those kinks to iron out. And I think it's good for them to, to do that in triple I agree. And I mean, it, it's, I just say it's a bummer because you've got an exciting prospect who could be go, you know, be as on the low end, Alex Wood, and on the high end, Chris sale, prime Chris sale. Uh, this is your potential. These are just random comps, you know, whatever. And I'm excited even by the Alex Wood comp. I just want to make it very clear. <laughs> Alex Wood, before he started getting all his injuries, was a pretty amazing prospect pitcher. But another reason why the Giants would just be keeping him down for an extended period of time or, you know, longer than you would think is that first month of the season. I can't remember who pointed out if it was Andrew Baggerly on The Athletic the other day. The Giants like don't play um, like they start the season in New York. Then they go to Chicago to play the White Sox. Then they're home against the Royals, but then also the Dodgers. Then they're right back out to the in Detroit and Miami. And then they face the Mets and the Cardinals at home in a in a brutal eight game stretch. And then they're back in San Diego. You know, they're playing the Padres. So like that's April and April doesn't really have any spots where you can, you know what I mean? Ease them into anything. And you start getting into May, then you've got you've still got some challenges, Astros, and you've got the Phillies, and then you've got the Twins, and, you know. So you start to look at June, and you're like, maybe yeah, if, if all goes well in AAA, like you said, um, then you do have like you got Coors Field, but you also have the Cubs, and you have there's not really a, now I'm looking at the schedule. There's not really like a, a long stretch where they're going to be able to face some down opponents, but some it looks like May might be the best possible starting point they have a lot of home games then and it looks like they have some off days mixed in in there um and they're they're kind of closer to home so maybe that's where it'll happen um yeah i think that's something to keep an eye on though i think there's nothing that indicates to me that the giants have any real concerns it's exactly what you said let's give them some reps and give them some exposure and see what happens 
let's give ourselves some exposure, Doug. <laughs> let's expose ourselves to listener questions for the final time in this final McCovey Croncast. Um, and I'll start with the questions we got on Twitter. Uh, Steve Svensson asks, wondering what the ideal situation is for VR. Think the Giants hope he hits stingers and can be their Muncie as far as moving around the diamond long term. And then hoping the Croncast makes a triumphant return soon. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, ideally for the Giants, he'll lock down third base. And then they'll figure out what to do with Wilmer Flores. And they'll figure out what to do with J.D. Davis. Um, I would say the ideal situation for J.D. Davis is also that he locks down third base. And then they figure out what to do with David VR and Wilmer Flores. Um, And, of course, the ideal situation for Brian is that Wilmer Flores locks down third base and the Giants have a, an 850 winning percentage all year. So, so I'm just saying if the numbers don't lie, Doug, and these numbers show. Um, the team yeah. just felt more comfortable when he was at third base. They, they knew he'd be there for them. That's right. Um, yeah, I think the ideal situation is that VR just keeps doing what he was doing. That I really do think it's like, let's just see steady progression. I don't remember him being awful at third base last year. I, I didn't feel like he was great, though. So, like, in terms of Flores at third and VR at third, I'm not sure. I'm intrigued by him playing second base. That seems like it might be an interesting position for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, anytime they can get a player to play more than one position and hit, you know, have a... 50 plus percent line drive rate or 40% line drive rate. Yeah. They'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, DMX biographer. My question is where will I be able to enjoy Doug and Brian's complaints and criticisms about the giants now? Oh, Do, are people interested in our complaints and criticisms about the giants continuing? At least DMX underscore biographer on Twitter is. Huh. Should we maybe do like a successor podcast to this that's not affiliated with SB Nation, but is very similar in content? Time will tell, Doug. Time will tell. Time will tell. But for now, uh, I'm writing on McCovey Chronicles and, and Doug has giantsdoug.substack.com. That's that, right. That, Great content twice a week. That's right. And then Lucky Logger T. Compaglia writes, uh, will we see the $20 Bud Light this season? We've gotten close, but will this finally be the year? This is an in-stadium question. I, I got to imagine we're hitting it this year for sure. I, um, you know what? I think if the Giants put their mind to it, they can accomplish this. I also feel like we're going to get some dynamic pricing on concessions. So like the Dodger visits, it'll be like $21. I can definitely see that happening for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a spreadsheet that says it's a good idea, so they are on top of it. <laughs> Doug, are there any questions you want to uh, throw out there? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's okay. all the ones from Twitter. They're the ones from the thread, too, to do, right? Yeah, so now we're going to answer the questions that were from the Covey Chronicles post that we put up. And uh, Roger asks, who was your favorite guest ever, and why was it me? Meaning Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Munter, you... You uh, definitely were my favorite guest ever when it came to talking about the Giants player development. <laughs> I'd have to really think about who my favorite guest ever was. I mean, Roger, I, I love having Roger on. And I think a follow-up question I got was, why wasn't Roger? Oh, Joe Man 212 asked, why didn't you have Roger on more often? And then the second question being, does Roger have a lot of celebrity-style demands writers? 
I have a non-jokey answer. I would have loved to have Roger on like every other week. I'm not kidding. It, maybe even just for like 15 minutes as like a check-in. But in my mind, Roger is a celebrity and a star. And I did not want to make too many demands of his of his time. And I didn't want to jeopardize him coming on when he did come on. That's my honest statement. I like I, I respect Roger so much. I'm so happy for what he's doing. I'm glad that people are recognizing, even more people are recognizing his contributions. And I think it's, it, this is kind of my thing that I really respect what really attracts me to baseball media. Anyone who loves baseball, because it actually feels like it's rare that there are people who just love baseball. <laughs> and that Roger Unabashedly, he loves Giants prospect baseball, which I got to imagine the number of people who feel like he does numbers in the low dozens. So. I, mean, yeah, I don't even think the Giants yeah. like their prospect systems. <laughs> no, I mean Roger does an incredible job. Like my jokey answer is like, no, I don't like having Roger on. He makes me feel like I should be I should be much smarter than I am. He makes me feel like I should know way more than I do. What's up with that? What a jerk. Um, no, Roger. But I mean, no, Roger's great. He uh, his only writer demand is he makes us pick out the the brown M and M's. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't even eat the M and M's. He's thousands of miles away. He just demands there aren't any in a bowl okay uh but do you know how many times i've been late to records because i've had to go get the m&ms he's like i need you to make the sound i know what m&ms sound like in a bowl don't try to like put peanuts in there or cereal or peanut m&ms i'll know what it sounds like he's very very sensitive his ears and then like you get the bowl we're not, you know, we don't have a video component when we record. So then he listens to it. And he's like, no, there's three brown ones in there. And you're like, no, I took them out. And then you look through it and there's three brown ones in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's very annoying. We weren't even trying to get one over on him. He just could tell. And it was like, we missed him because again, yeah. late for the record. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I gotta be honest. We had Jay Holtham on the writer uh, for the TV show pitch. And I loved it because he was writing it a fictional version of the San Diego Padres and the real life San Diego Padres were so uninteresting that having on the writer for the TV show about the fake Padres was how we did our NL West preview that year. And I don't know. It That's just, right. It always makes me happy to think about that. Yeah, that was and fun. <laughs> he also told us that story about how the giants had demands about how they were portrayed in the show, which I thought should have been a bigger story, but uh, it's just funny to me. <laughs> Um, and also always uh, Grant was always a great guest. And uh, also he, he just rolled with it. And I was like, Hey, uh, Doug and I are going to do a podcast. He's like, cool, go, go for it. And, uh, and a special shout out to the one time we had Mike Farron on. I love listening to Mike Farron in the mornings on, on the Sirius XM. Um, again, like Roger just loves baseball. And it's just, to me, I'm just always excited when someone just, you can tell they like baseball, they're passionate about it. They're interested in learning more. They have, they're able to converse on all the teams or even analytics or scouting and like all that stuff. And they're just interested. You know, I feel like there's just too many John Smoltz's in the world up to and including John Smoltz himself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even one is just, is too many. And then you have the additional ones. And it's, why? John Smoltz, not even once. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we are not inviting John Smoltz on the podcast. No. For the record. Uh, right. This or any iteration, correct? Right. <laughs> Scoops MT asked in the thread, is there any way you guys can slash would continue on a different platform? Also more Roger? <laughs> you know, I want to throw this back. Roger is not invited either of us to appear on his podcast. 
That's true. I mean, his podcast is like too classy or too good or informative or whatever. Yeah, just because be he's had it. like literally uh, Dave Fleming on the show and other industry titans. I just want, you know, we are titans Ky- of Kyle the Harrison? industry. Has, yeah, Kyle, has Kyle Harrison been on the show? I think so. <laughs> so would this show continue on a different platform? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. It's not impossible. We'd have to, there's a lot of moving parts that would go with that. Um, Doug's, Doug is not cheap, folks. He is very expensive broadcasting <laughs> co-partner. So we'd have to iron all that out. And, and we'd see, we'd have to come up with a different name, you know, and a different hosting provider. Is this the segue where I mention other podcasts? I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm using a different platform for my Star Trek podcast, which I've never mentioned before. But anyway. Um, oh, hold Ryan, on. Tell me more about this Star Trek podcast, Brian. Well, Doug, it's called Trek Mary Kill. <laughs> where, where, you know how there's the, the schoolyard game of Kiss Mary Kill or Mary Kill? I do know that. Yes. yes. We're doing that with episodes of Star Trek. We love all the episodes of Star Trek, but some we love more than others and some we don't love as much. But, you know, so we playfully play this game and it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And um, Roger is asking, but really, why is this happening? Why are you guys going away? I has a sad. Roger, invite us on to your podcast and we'll answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> Due to our contractual obligations, we are unable to completely answer that question on this platform. <laughs> and then I think this is the, the perfect question to end on. It's from Blank. And Blank asks, what are the latest bullpen trust rankings? <laughs> and will they hold up until the next McCovey Croncast? <laughs> Blank, if there's one thing you should know about the bullpen trust rankings, they don't hold up until the next day. (laughs) Yeah, they barely make it out of the edit. (laughs) Oh, well, that actually reminded me that Cole Waits, who the Giants were kind of counting on, uh, he's on already like has an oblique injury heading into spring training. That was actually the first bit of news to trickle out of camp. Uh, today so already <laughs> the bullpen trust rankings are on on shaky ground and i think they're even looking at zach Britton as a as a free agent signing a non-roster signing so uh, the bullpen seems to be a work in progress can i make one note about it i think we are under underrating the signing of taylor rogers i think they have a thought that camilo duvall might struggle in the closer role this year if for no other reason then he's gonna have less time to pitch to, to deliver a pitch that's true. That is going to be tough for him. And his whole uh, delivery sort of suggests or invites stolen base attempts, which uh, which this year much more favors the runners. So I don't know. Seems that giving him $33 million for three years is not an insignificant deal for them. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, w- I would say it is sort of comparable market-wise to what Jeremy Affelt got back before 2009. Like just in terms of where that ranks in the market among non-closers, um, so I mean it, it's not necessarily that they want him to, or that they're they're even thinking about Duvall failing as a closer. But I'm sure they're going to be happy to have that security blanket. Yeah, you know what? I I want to make it clear. I don't think they think he's going to fail, but maybe maybe they want to. Well, they certainly want to avoid pitching him three days in a row or four days in a row. I think it was. One of the cases that happened, but they probably want to avoid that. But also, yes, they want to have the, if he gets into trouble or if the matchups in the ninth don't look great, we want to have the extra option. Um, and I would say uh, on paper, Taylor Rogers is a better option than Jake McGee. 
<laughs> yeah, I think the main thing they want to avoid is Camilo Duvall being the only good reliever in the bullpen. Yeah. Which was the case for like months at a time last year. Yeah. All right. Well, then that's going to wrap up the only podcast from McCovey Chronicles. Well, that that's that's it. Are we are we ever going to get a transcripting service in? No, I was told. <laughs> no, well, now that we're not. Now that uh, SB Nation has foreclosed uh, their a lot of their podcasting, I don't think they're going to be exploring uh, a service to transcribe their podcast for them. So, fortunately, that's not the case. It was interesting for me to learn that a lot of people who consume content, and if it's a podcast, they prefer to just read the transcript rather than listen. Um, I've transcribed the uh, Trek Mary Kill podcast I do, and I don't know why anyone would want to read my verbal tics. I, I don't. <laughs> Um, but Doug, do you have any closing thoughts as the last episode of the McCovey Chronicles or Croncast? Uh, geez, <laughs> how am I gonna how am I gonna sum up the McCovey Croncast? Well, we started uh, recording would, uh, in 2015. By the way, just a reminder: it's a cold November. That's today. I'm yeah, that's right. It was uh, back when the Giants were what not signing John Lester, I believe. I believe so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so the we start out with the Giants not signing John Lester and we end with the Giants not signing Aaron Judge and then signing and not signing Carlos Correa. What an era. <laughs> what an era. We've been through uh, Brian Sabian, Bobby Evans and Farhan Zaidi together. <laughs> We've been through Grant, then Brian Murphy, then Brady <laughs> together uh, on the site itself uh the community at mccovey chronicles has always been uh, so great and uh, fantastic even when i pissed them off and i deeply regret <laughs> the way i handled the community while i was a managing editor there um unfortunately i can't change that but uh we've had loyal listeners uh interested people this whole time and that's been extremely gratifying it has not in any way changed my my view of how i approach talking about the giants doug has it for you uh not really no yeah. i mean I we just, had brian sweet yeah that's <laughs> we right had brian on the show yeah we had Srebian on the show and I, i'm still like i don't know about this team <laughs> <laughs> the giants uh i can't believe it i'm addicted to them even after all this time even after almost losing my eyesight being the managing editor for the site <laughs> Warned by medical professionals to stop looking at the screen for a couple of days because my I might go blind. Uh, I still, I'm like, I got a I got a podcast about them. I got a blog about them. So don't don't roster bait too much. You'll go blind. <laughs> I, I hope no medical professional is hearing because I might have lied on the intake when I said I wasn't <laughs> roster baiting. And Doug just <laughs> called me out on it. Damn it. Um, yeah. So. GiantsDoug.substack.com. You can find Doug's writings there. McCoveyChronicles.com. You can find me there. And I'm on Twitter still at every sixth day. Doug, are you going to be on Twitter much longer? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, when I registered this name, I never thought I'd have to say it out loud. At Moonwalk McFly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the dumbest name, but that's also why I like it. <laughs> well, I guess that means we're going to say goodbye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs>